Thank you for listening today. We hope that this message from God's Word will help you to grow in your knowledge of God and your relationship with Him. At Lucy Baptist Church, we are fully committed to loving God, loving people, and making disciples. Now here's today's message. I invite you to turn in the Gospel of Luke today to Luke chapter 18. Luke chapter 18, as we continue through the Gospel um, of Luke, we entitled the series, Jesus, Friend of Sinners, and we see Jesus continuously uh, demonstrating that great truth in this wonderful gospel. Luke um, was uh, inspired of God to write this gospel, and he wrote it, though fully inspired of God. You also know, you see God's hand in, uh, in how in which he uh, had such a heart for people, and we see a perspective as a physician and as a Gentile that he was, and, uh, and, and also uh, as a Christ follower. And, and so God used him in a great way to be the human instrument that gave us this divine truth uh, of the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter 18, we're going to read verses 1 through 8. Last, uh, last Monday, I had the opportunity to go to the pastor's conference. I don't go every week. We meet at Bellevue. Uh, but I, I went last Monday, and I was so glad I did. A retired pastor, Pastor Tommy Vincent. Some of y'all know Pastor Tommy. He was at Leewood at one time and then retired uh, at, uh, as an associate pastor at First Baptist Collierville, but he shared with us that how he was recently given the opportunity to speak to a group of college students, and uh, the subject they gave him was, if I had my ministry to live over. And so he shared about how he shared with these uh, students that, that's on that subject. But, and he said one of the things he shared with them was, or the, perhaps first and primary was, if I had my ministry to live over, he said, I would pray more and preach less. He said, I would listen more to his voice and less to my voice. He said, I'm sometimes haunted by the thought of how God could have used me more if I had learned early, earlier the priority and power of prayer. And, you know, I, I think that many have given that testimony. I understand even Billy Graham has given a, a similar testimony now uh, of, of his own life, though greatly used of God in preaching the gospel. How important this matter of prayer. Well, I hope that we can learn from Brother Tommy's testimony and Billy Graham's testimony and that we won't have to uh, maybe look back and say, I wish I had prayed more, but that we will recognize the priority of prayer in the life of the child of God. With your Bibles open there to Luke chapter 18, we're going to begin reading with verse 1. Read this parable, and I would invite you, if you're able, please, to stand with me as we read this passage uh, uh, together. This is not the first parable that Jesus has given to us about prayer. We saw the back in, I believe, Luke 12, the, the parable of the friend at midnight. It was a similar message about the importance of persistence, persistence in prayer, uh, but also uh, how Jesus takes a story that uh, really is a, as we saw with the unjust or unrighteous manager, we see a, a really a, how Jesus brings a good lesson from a bad example. And we see that happening in this, uh, in this parable as well. Luke 18, I'll begin reading with verse number one from the New King James translation. Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while 
But afterward, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? And from this passage, this parable, I'll bring a message entitled, Don't Quit Praying. Let's pray together. Lord, again, we thank you for this wonderful time of worship that we've had today as we've reflected upon your great love, as we've reflected upon your, your faithfulness as we've reflected upon your, your, the depth of your great love and demonstrating for, for us at the cross. And we want to thank you today that we serve a risen Savior. Lord, we are in your midst this morning. We're in your presence. And we thank you that you are here. And we pray that you will continue to manifest your presence among us today. Lord, as we even now continue to worship you and thank you for all the wonderful ways you've demonstrated your love and grace for us and all the ways you, uh, you continue to grow us in our relationship with you as your children. Thank you so much for the privilege of prayer. And oh, Father, forgive us for how we neglect this wonderful opportunity to have an audience with the God of the universe, the creator of the universe. Thank you so much, Father, that you are such an awesome God, that you are such a good, good Father. And thank you for making this possible for us to daily continue to fellowship with you, worship you through this wonderful avenue of prayer. Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts, you'll change our lives uh, in regard to our prayer life, and that we will not have to one day look back in regret that we have neglected this important, important privilege. So bless this time together. And Lord, I pray for those who don't know Christ, Lord, in our midst today, who've never truly repented of sin and placed their faith in Christ, that even on this this message to believers about prayer, that they would realize that you, uh, Lord, have made it possible for us to come to you again uh, in repentance and faith through Christ to know you as our Lord and our Savior. And I pray you'll awaken hearts, draw people to Christ, is our prayer in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. So again, in this text, Jesus is teaching a, a good lesson from the bad example of this unrighteous judge and his response uh, to a needy widow and, uh, and a very persistent needy widow, I might say. Uh, and Jesus gives us the purpose. Sometimes we're a little unsure, um, but Jesus very clearly uh, gives us from the very outset what the purpose of this parable is as he indicates that, that his disciples, his followers, ought always to pray and not lose heart. Now, if you were here last Sunday, you know that we preached to you about the fact that the Lord Jesus taught us uh, there in Luke 17 that the kingdom uh, has come and the king is coming. 
And so we looked at that and, and those, those important points from that, that passage. And, and, and so the, today's uh, parable is in the light of the return of Christ, the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, and about how we are to pray in light of his return and, and even to pray for his return. As we saw was the, the cry of the early church there in Revelation, as John responded, even so, Lord Jesus, come, come quickly. And again, that should be the attitude of our heart as God's people, that we're anticipating His coming, that we are praying for His, his return. And, and so we think about that as we look at this passage together. But, but it, nonetheless, the, this, this whole matter of persistence in prayer, praying and not feigning or not quitting, uh, the King James Version, I believe, uses the word importunity, to keep on praying and not quitting not stopping our prayer uh, in the ministry of prayer and specific, specifically praying uh, for various needs that we would pray for. Uh, and so today, again, persistence is an essential characteristic of the prayer life of a child of God and, con- and an important um, uh, ingredient in prayer, a prayer that God hears and answers. So I want you to consider with me from these examples, uh, first of all, the contrast, if you will, of God the Father, of our loving Heavenly Father who hears our prayer, the characteristics of our Father to whom we pray as He's contrasted to this unrighteous judge, this wicked judge, and again, the uh, characteristics of a faithful prayer warrior as, uh, as we see uh, the contrast and comparison, if you will, to this persistent widow. So Jesus is teaching us here, don't quit praying. So consider uh, two points with me uh, on that matter today. First of all, the characteristics of our Father to whom we pray. Again, this uh, unrighteous judge is given to us as a contrast to uh, uh, God's holy character, to the Father to whom we pray. And so notice some characteristics about the Father, the Heavenly Father to whom we pray. First of all, our Father is righteous in all His ways. Again, this uh, judge, Jesus says, was, was uh, uh, unjust or unrighteous, which means He was dishonest, He was corrupt, uh, unjust. He was selfish in every way. And um, Edersheim says uh, concerning these judges who were actually civil judges, not religious judges. And uh, they were, he said they were referred to by most people today that in that day as robber judges. They made their judgments based on uh, bribes that were given to them. A lot of countries uh, uh, still operate that way. And, uh, and, and this was happening here and very common. Everybody knew about it pretty much. And they, they made their judgments based on that. And before people would appear before the judge, they would send them, uh, they'd send them a bribe. And so their judgment would be based on the bribe that was given to them quite often. Well, this woman who's uh, this widow who has a need uh, and has an, an opponent, an adversary, perhaps financial. We don't know exactly what the situation was. Uh, but, but her, uh, she's already a widow and, and financially destitute. And now it's, her situation's even made worse. And so she has nothing to pay. Uh, Jesus said about this judge, he did not fear or reverence God. 
he, uh, he, he, he acknowledged that of himself down in verse 4. He says, I don't fear God and I don't regard man. I have no, no respect for man. And, uh, but so, uh, so in relationship to God, he, he basically made his deliberations and lived his life as if though God did not exist with no thought that one day he would have to stand before God and give an account. You know, that's true of all of us. The Bible says every one of us is going to give an account of himself to God. And, and uh, the very first point of the gospel is to understand God. God is the creator. He's the creator of all things. And the Bible says every person is accountable to him and before him. One day, everyone will stand. This judge had no thought of that. He didn't live his life that way. And uh, so, uh, so that never entered his mind. And he stands as a st- in stark contrast as an unrighteous, wicked judge to our righteous heavenly Father to whom we pray. Psalm 145, 17 says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. 1 John 1, 5 says of God, he is, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And that is so important as we go to the Lord in prayer, as we plead with him uh, for the various needs of our lives, and even as we plead with him for his return. And, uh, and it's important to remember as the Lord uh, either delays the answer to our prayer or even denies the answer to our prayer. We need to always remember that God is good, that God is righteous, that God is just in everything that he does. You know, sometimes people go through a, a difficulty and a trial in their life or, or they don't see uh, an answer to prayer and they, they get weary and get discouraged and, and sometimes in their flesh they begin to question the goodness of God. Well, folks, we must make it very clear in our heart that first little prayer that many of us learned as little children at the blessing, God is great. Say it with me. God is great. God is good. God is good. And uh, God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And, and so we need to recognize that as we come to the Lord in prayer, unlike this unjust, wicked judge, our God, our Heavenly Father, to whom we pray, is good. He is righteous in all His ways. He's perfect. He's holy. And we need to always have that in the forefront of our mind of realizing who God is. Secondly, our, unlike this unjust judge, our, our Father loves us and cares for our needs. Again, this unrighteous judge, uh, this widow, came before uh, that she was pleading to. Uh, he's described as one who does not respect man. The word respect here means to be put to shame. In this culture, as is still true in many cultures today, shame was a big thing. To be shamed before people was a terrible thing. And, and so they would often do anything or avoid anything to avoid shame. Uh, but, but not this judge. He didn't care. He had no shame. He didn't care. And so therefore, treating people cruelly or unkindly or, or uh, not being just in his dealings or righteous in his dealings, no bother to him. He didn't care about people. He didn't care what people thought of him. And widows uh, in this day and time were especially vulnerable. There was no government assistance. And, and, uh, and it was not uncommon to be, lo- to be left without any family to care for them. And so uh, that's why uh, Old Testament and New Testament in our Bible give so much emphasis to the care of widows, of caring for people who were destitute and, and who had no one to care for them. So to be unkind and to uh, to be to ignore 
uh, and to not meet the need of a widow, this was a, a shameful thing, but not to this man. He, he did not care. Again, what a, what a contrast is this uh, unjust judge to our loving heavenly Father who loves us and cares for our needs. This woman represents in all the world uh, those who are alone and helpless and, and unloved and uncared for. And again, Scripture tells us that we are to come to those who uh, and speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. That's why, again, even the, uh, the life of the unborn is, is precious to us as believers because, because someone must speak up for those who cannot speak up for themselves. That's why the Bible teaches that we are to care for those who are needy and to care for those those uh, who are without and, and those who are poor and those who need to be fed. All these things are important to God and, and, uh, because our Heavenly Father loves them. And when we think about our own lives, God loves us and cares for us. That's why it's important for us to remember that as we come before the Lord in prayer. To remember we're coming before a Heavenly Father who loves us and who cares for our needs. Notice what he refers to us as here, as the elect. That means chosen ones. We are God's chosen ones, so we are precious to him. Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said, uh, If you then are who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Our Father loves us and cares for us. We've seen that before in the book of Luke when the Bible describes it. The fact that God cares for that little sparrow that falls. He knows about that need. So he knows about our needs and he truly loves us and cares for that us. And dear friend, uh, if you ever want to, if you are tempted to doubt that for a moment, the greatest way to be reminded of the love of God, we sang about it this morning, was demonstrated at the cross where God so loved us that he sent his precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who loved us and who died for us, who rose again. God, our Father, loves us and he cares for our needs. Thirdly, our Father welcomes us into his presence. He welcomes us into his presence. This, this judge, this unrighteous, wicked judge, was unwilling to act on the behalf of this woman and uh, he thought when he had dismissed her from his court, so to speak, that, that he was done with her, but not so. She kept on coming. She kept on uh, badgering him, so to speak. But this judge was unwilling to act, and she kept coming, and he kept on ignoring her and avoiding her. And he says in verse 5 that she keeps on literally continuously bothering me. And the words here, weary, weary me or beat me down or wear me out, literally mean to strike in the face or to beat black and blue. And most believe that he wasn't so much fearful uh, that she was going to attack him as, uh, as she just was, again, she was, she was not letting up. Uh, and and he, in essence, it's like a figure of speech saying, she's going to give me a black eye. You know, she's going to drive me crazy. And so finally, finally he said, you know, I, I'm just going to respond because I, to get her off my back because of her persistence. Well, again, what a contrast to our Heavenly Father. He isn't reluctant. He, isn't, he doesn't shun us. He doesn't not want to spend time with us. The Bible describes there in, in, uh, in John chapter 4 when Jesus spoke to the woman of the well, the Father is seeking such to worship him. And again, that's what prayer is. It's worship. 
He desires our presence. He desires fellowship with us. We're created to have fellowship with God. He wants us in his presence, and he's, he's made that possible. He welcomes us into his presence. The Lord Jesus, when he died on the cross, uh, the Bible says that uh, one of the first things that happened was the, the splitting or the tearing of the veil that in the temple that had prevented uh, people from entering into the Holy of Holies, the presence of God. It was symbolic of, that, of the separation. But, but Jesus made it possible through his death his burial, his resurrection, for us to enter into his presence. And not only to enter in his presence, because we go in Christ, because he uh, gives to us upon our repentance and faith, uh, he gives to us his very righteousness is, a, is, a, is, is deposited into our account. Now we go in Christ. We go into his presence through his righteousness. And we are ushered into the very throne room of God. We have full access. We have complete access. And, and we're, the Bible tells us in, in Matthew, excuse me, Hebrews 4.16, let us then with confidence, literally freedom of speech, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. What an awesome privilege that our Heavenly Father has given us access, and we are now, the Bible says, even joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ as his children. So he welcomes us into his presence. But number four, our Father responds to our persistent praying in faith. Again, we see that in, in verses seven and eight once again. And and the Lord Jesus said, well, in verse 6, he says, Hear what the unjust judge said, and, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Again, unlike this unwilling judge who only responded to this widow in order to to uh, get rid of her. The Father, he says here, will avenge or give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night. Just a side note here about, about prayer. That's a great description of what, what prayer is. It's crying to him day and night. It's crying out to God. It says something to him, uh, it says something to us again about what the Bible calls the, the fervency of our prayer, the intensity of what our prayer should be, the desperate need with which we cry out to God. And again, John, John Piper said, this is what is missing, crying day and night from the comfortable Christian church of the modern world. You see, that's why, uh, that's why again, uh, why difficulty and trial and suffering is not our enemy. It is our friend in reality. Because it's what God most often uses in our lives to bring us to the place of not so much uh, being desperate, but realizing how desperate we really are. And, and God uses us. And, and you can look back in your life, no doubt, to the greatest trials of your life and realize that's probably when you grew the most, right? That's probably when you, you became more, you became to more realize your dependency about, upon God. And, and again, you grew closer to him and your prayer life became more intense. So again, church, 
God's calling us to cry out to him day and night and, and, and avoid the comfortable Christianity that we've become so accustomed to here, in, in, especially in our own precious country, uh, to, to realize that we need God desperately and we need to cry out to him from a heart of desperation. But again, from, from God's eternal perspective, uh, you know, he responds quickly, though from our perspective, uh, it may seem like his delay is long, but God's timing is perfect. We need to remember that about his character as well. His timing is perfect. And, and again, he sees what we don't see. He knows what we don't know. And we need to remember that as we go before him and cry out to him day and night. Warren Wiersbe says, God's delays are not the delays of inactivity, but of preparation. God is always answering prayer. God works in all things at all times, causing all things to work together to accomplish his purposes, Romans 8, 28. He says, the moment we send him a request that is in his will, God begins to work. We may not see it now, but one day the answer will come. In verse 8 here, Jesus again as I read a moment ago, Jesus asked that question. Uh, he says, will the Son of Man, when he comes, will he really find faith on the earth? Will he find this kind of faith, this kind of prayer of the people of God who are not quitting in their praying but are continuing to call out to God, knowing that God does come to the aid of those who cry out to him as they pray and pray in faith? Well, let me ask a question this morning. Is this parable teaching that I can get anything I want as long as I just keep on praying, keep on asking for it? Well, I think you probably know the answer. No, that's not what Jesus is teaching us. There, there are a number of conditions in prayer that we, we need to study and understand uh, about prayer. But one of those, of course, is praying in the will of God. And praying in the will of God means to pray according to the, the Word of God. But again, uh, Jesus taught us in the model prayer, he taught us to pray, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So it's essential that our prayer be in the will of God. And when we pray according to the will of God, then the Bible teaches us to keep on praying, keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. George Mueller, who founded a Christian orphanage in England in the 19th century, uh, is known most probably for these orphanages and the fact that he sought God to provide the need for the care of these many children. And uh, God mightily and miraculously provided. And George Mueller had a policy. He didn't ask anybody for anything. He just asked God. And God provided. So he saw God work mightily and answered prayer. But another thing about George Mueller was that, was that he, he prayed consistently for people. He had uh, two friends that he prayed for in his life. He started as a young man praying for uh, two men, two friends that were not believers. And he prayed for both of these men for 60 years. 60 years he kept praying for them. One of the men came to, uh, to repentance and faith and, and surrendering his life to Christ uh, near the end of George Mueller's life in a, in a service that was probably one of the last times that George Mueller uh, preached the gospel. And uh, the other one was converted about a year after his death. But he prayed consistently uh, for 60 years. I want to challenge you as you think about those people that are on your heart that you're praying for. Don't quit praying. So we see the characteristics 
again, of our Father, of our Heavenly Father to whom we pray. But notice, secondly, the characteristics of the faithful prayer warrior. We'll share some things about the faithful prayer warrior that, again, we can see and uh, we can learn as, as we see the, the testimony of this, uh, this persistent widow. First of all, the faithful prayer warrior has a relationship with the Father. You see, this, this widow, contract to, in, in contrast, had no relationship with this judge. He saw her as a nuisance to avoid, and she knew him to be the, the person who could meet her need, but she had no relationship with us, with him. But, but aren't you glad today, again, that as believers in Christ and, and as prayer warriors, which all of us should be, that we have a relationship with God, the Heavenly Father, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Galatians 4, 6 says, And because you are sons, God has sent His Spirit, the Spirit of His Son, into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And Some of you know the word Abba uh, literally means Papa. Daddy. It was the most intimate uh, uh, word in, in the Aramaic language that could be used to describe the relationship to a father. And so that's, the Bible says the, that God sends his spirit into our hearts and, and, and through the work of his spirit in our lives, we cry those words out from our heart because of our relationship with God. And that affirms uh, our relationship with him. One of the ways we know that we are God's children, again, is because the Bible says that his spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are his children. And, and we, uh, we have this relationship with him that we cannot deny. And so, again, as we go to the Lord's presence to pray, we're aware of this relationship that God has made possible through the Lord Jesus Christ. We have a relationship with the Father through Christ, and we have the indwelling Spirit that affirms that relationship with us. Secondly, the faithful prayer warrior has a faith has faith in God's ability. Again, this woman knew that this judge could act on her behalf. He could avenge her. He could uh, meet this need in her life. Uh, but she didn't know if he ever would. And even if he did, she, she knew his ability was limited. But dear friend, we serve a God who has no limitation. We serve a God for whom nothing is impossible. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21 says, Our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ever ask, think, or even imagine. That's the kind of God we serve. And, and he goes on to say, To Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. And so our God is able. For Philippians 4, 19 says, And my God will supply every need of yours according to His riches and glory in Christ Jesus. He's able and He's willing. But thirdly, the faithful prayer warrior does not quit even when God delays. Again, we see that example uh, of this widow as she persistently kept on going. She continuously went and, uh, before this judge uh, to, to ask for her request. And uh, finally, her persistence overcame his reluctance. Uh, and I just remind you, though, that our, the faithful prayer warrior knows he's praying, uh, that he's praying in the will of God, uh, and, and he, he doesn't stop praying, even when he, uh, is, because he knows that his, his request is not contrary to the Word of God, and that the answer to this prayer would bring glory to God. So he just keeps on, or she keeps on praying before the Lord. Again, we're not praying to, as someone said, to overcome his reluctance. We're praying to lay hold of his 
willingness. And uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17 says, pray without ceasing. And Jesus taught us in Matthew 7, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. Literally, it's keep on asking, uh, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Don't quit until God answers or until God directs you otherwise. You keep on praying. But then fourth and finally, the, fa the faithful prayer warrior experiences answered prayer. The faithful prayer warrior, again, is, is faithful to pray and, and will not quit. This person is going to have the joy of seeing God answer prayer. Can you today give testimony from your life of how God has, has answered prayer in, in your life? First, what's one of the evidences of being a child of God? First John chapter 5, a book about the, uh, the, the evidences or the, the birthmarks of the believer, if you will. He says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, and this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we've asked of him. Warren Wiersbe again says, The widow had no lawyer, but we have a high priest at the throne of God in heaven. She had no promises, but we have a Bible filled with the promises we claim. She was an outsider but we are the children of God. Aren't you grateful for the wonderful privilege of prayer? Then the question is, what are you doing about it? Are you spending time with your heavenly Father? Don't let this be one of the things that you would look back on or even today would, uh, would, would not allow God to change. Wherever you may be in your life, if you're a truly a child of God, avail yourself of this privilege and even of this responsibility to intercede on behalf of others. So, again, another question is, how, how then do we pray for things that we are not certain to be as well? We've talked about the fact that we can pray for things that we know to be the will of God. What about things we're not sure? Well, let me encourage you to, along this line. Ask God how to pray. Ask God how he would direct you to pray as you pray for people. Ask him to direct you even to Scripture because the most effective and powerful way to pray the will of God is to pray the Word of God. But, but ask the Lord to lead you in Scripture and, and, and how you are to pray. And then if it's not contrary to the will of God or the Word of God, then keep on asking until God answers or leads you to stop. And I would say that would include healing as well. One of the things that, uh, that we pray for are, are people's physical needs and people's healing. Uh, some of you have been praying, and I'm grateful for your participation in praying for a little uh, baby that was born prematurely about three weeks ago. He weighed uh, a pound and was it 10 or 12 ounces, little Everett Williams, uh, Johnny and Janice's, uh, I guess, great-great-nephew born to Landon and Nicole Williams. And and, and people, if, if you've been following that, have been praying for this little baby, and, and the Lord has, uh, has used him already to bring God's people together. Someone quoted her the verse about two or more uh, gathering together to pray, and she responded, how about about 1,400? And that's just what they know about. 
I've been praying, and I'm not on Facebook, so I'm not in that number. But, uh, uh, but anyway, people have been praying, interceding, and, and even nurses have been amazed at the improvement in this little baby and how the Lord has obviously uh, blessed and answered. And, and, but we don't always know the will of God and how to pray, so we keep on praying and, and, and keep on seeking the face of God and that God would get glory in whatever, whatever he does. But, but God responds to the, the, the cries of his people. But then what are some things that we should not quit praying for? There are some things, I believe, that are very clear in Scripture. And, and so this is uh, kind of the application section here that I want to challenge you uh, as uh, members of our body today to, to continue to pray for. And one of the things we can certainly pray for is for unbelievers to be saved, for lost people, for people who don't know Christ, to come to know Christ. Jesus said in John uh, chapter 6 and verse 40, For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life. And so we pray for those who are unbelievers. And it's scriptural to pray for unbelievers, for God to open their heart to the gospel, to pull down those strongholds, to bring them to repentance and faith. And, and, and as we've shared in our class on evangelism, prayer is a very important part of the, of the process of, of fulfilling the Great Commission and of sharing the gospel. So pray for unbelievers to be saved and specific people that you know. Pray then secondly for the unity of the church. And I would say continue to pray for the unity of our church. Jesus did in John 17. He prayed for uh, his church to be unified. And in John 13, 35, the Bible says, By this all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one for another. And so praying for the unity of the church is obviously a biblical prayer in the will of God. Thirdly, pray for the church to obey the Great Commission to make disciples. So we pray for lost people, but we also pray for our responsibility in fulfilling the Great Commission, not only to evangelize, but to make disciples and to be obedient to Christ here and around the world to do that. Matthew 28, 18 to 20. Uh, Jesus taught us, fourth, to pray for more laborers. Uh, to, to, for the harvest. In, in Matthew uh, 9, again, uh, 37 and 38, Jesus said, pray that the Lord of the harvest would send out or thrust forth laborers into the harvest. So that's a biblical prayer that we are called to pray for. Number five, pray for the revival and health of the church. Ephesians 5 uh, uses marriage as a, as a picture of what the church is to be like. And we are the bride of Christ and God, the Lord Jesus, is coming for a pure bride. We're right in praying for health and, and, uh, and to be a biblical church and to be a, a church that is, uh, is honoring Christ. Uh, that will bring glory to him. So revival, to pray for revival in our local church, but in all of our churches, that God would send us a, a mighty sweeping revival. And then, this may be an unusual prayer you've not thought about praying, but in light of this passage, pray for the Lord Jesus to come. You see, Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come. And, in, and even as we see in light of this passage, and Jesus is coming back and he's looking for those, he says, to those who are have this kind of faith that are anticipating and looking. And even as the early church did, um, again, as they were undergoing great persecution, one of the prayers of the early church was, as we saw in John chapter 22, even so, Lord Jesus, come. They had a word for that, uh, the Aramaic word again, Maranatha, Maranatha. And, and again, it means again, Lord Jesus, come. Come, Lord Jesus. And that should be the, the desire of our, of our hearts. Oh, Lord, come. 
You say, well, again, I don't know. And so I would ask you if, you, if you don't have that desire in your heart, why not? If you're not anticipating for the Lord Jesus to come, why not? What's hindering you? And, and that's one of the reasons that, 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 uh, that, that even that prayer uh, is a gauge to our heart is to say, am I not ready for the Lord to come? Am I not being obedient to proclaim the gospel to those who need to know Christ? So again, that should be a desire for, from our heart as a child of God. Pray that prayer. Well, we're going to be receiving the Lord's Supper at the conclusion of our, uh, following our, our response time this morning. And I, I want to encourage you as you think about that, remember that the Lord Jesus told us in the Lord's Supper, as he established the Lord's Supper, he said we are to observe in the Lord's Supper his death. We are to proclaim his death until he comes. So even in the Lord's Supper, we re- recognize the anticipation of the coming of Christ. And so as you participate in the Lord's Supper today as a believer in Christ in right relationship with Him, then I want to encourage you again to to pray for His coming and to anticipate that He could come today and be ready for the Lord Jesus. And then again, meditate today as we participate in this supper on Romans 8.32 as it relates to prayer where we're, where we're told in Romans 8:32, he who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? So again, as you think about the precious blood of the Lamb that was shed on your behalf, about what the Father would do freely to give his precious son for you. How would he not also freely give us all things? The God who would do that for us then is a God who can be trusted, a God who is deserving of our absolute total surrender. This is Pastor David Lawrence. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray that God used his word in your life today. If you do not have a relationship with God, the Bible says you can as you turn from your sin Place your faith in Christ Jesus, His death for you on the cross, and His resurrection from the dead, and surrender your life to Jesus as Lord. We'd like to invite you to join us for worship. You can find information about the times and locations for all of our gatherings on our website at lucybaptist.com. If you have any questions, or if we can minister to you in any way, please call us at 901-872-0623, or email us at info at lucybaptist.com.